Hey guys, welcome to part two of the Solitary Confinement podcast. In case you didn't listen to part one, Jordan's audio is unfortunately not the best due to technical difficulties as we recorded this one remotely. I do apologize for that, but otherwise, it's just a normal podcast. Enjoy. You know what? Since we've done two questions, how about we make it a trifecta? How do you feel about answering one more question? Go for it. Let's just get him out of the way. Pump him out. <laughs> yes. Alrighty. So this one is from... Um, Oh, yeah, we're keeping them anonymous. So this is from T. Hi, Neil and Jordan. I'm a big fan of the podcast. All right, she said her name. My name is... Oh, she hasn't actually specified that she wants to say her name, so I'll just say my name is T, and I really need some advice. I have a diploma in photography and wanting to start a photography business, by the way. Female. woo we got a female listener. Yeah. Right. Uh, and wanting to start a photography business, which has been my passion for the past few years. I also have ADHD and ASD, uh, open bracket, autism, close bracket, and I'm worried that I'm going to lose interest as I've done with things I'm passionate about in the past. So any advice on how I can avoid losing interest would be really great. Cheers. Thank you. I would say if you're just, look, discipline with certain practices is important. You need to be repetitive with certain things like we were talking about earlier with, say, positive self-talk, that's something that shouldn't necessarily change throughout your whole life. Now, you could just update maybe the, the things you, you were saying to yourself based on your situation and your environment. But I think the way to maintain interest, as someone who also loses interest very quickly in whatever I'm doing and whatever I may be passionate about, is to just tweak what it is you're doing uh, not not to a degree where you just lose sight of your overall purpose and, and aim. So I wouldn't sort of change from a photography business to suddenly another business, but change little things about that photography business. Try something a little bit different. I'm not, just talking out of my ass because I don't know anything about photography, but maybe you start with a certain type of photography and then you try to master that skill and then you try to master a different type of uh, photography. You maybe try and expand the business to a certain demographic that you weren't reaching before but if you give yourself new challenges i think that's that's an effective way to maintain interest yeah um, jordan what that's do you think? it i honestly think because i've done the same thing it's just like after a while when you notice i think this is the death of interest when you notice that you you're, you've got this kind of idea of uh i know everything there is to know about this subject mm. you know what i think is happening there you are widely read in a certain bubble or way of thinking in that field. But there are many different ways to think about every field. And so I think that really what's happening there is your thoughts are becoming inbred. You notice this a lot on, like, say, Reddit pages. There's always that same line of thinking that everybody develops and i think that that you starts to descend reddit bro oh, i fucking hate reddit you hate it <laughs> can what you i've seen what people on reddit are saying about you is that why you've uh did you read something about you well i've got like I, i've got ones that, 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 that look both both I've, I've seen ones that are anti me where i'm just but this it's the same thing that is giving me the shits both in like anti and pro it's like these are the same thoughts that are just getting recycled yeah you know, I hate when I notice that about a certain group, that they're always 
talking in a certain way. It's just, it descends into idiocy, right? But I'm also hyper aware that that has happened to me and happens to me all the time. You just get trapped in a certain way of thinking. You don't want to think about it in any other ways. And then you say, I've lost passion for it. I think that what you've really lost, as you said, I guess, is motivation. You're not seeking mm. out different voices in what you're looking at. And even just the fact that they have a different voice and you don't agree with it, the fact that you can sit there and like break down why you don't agree with it, that adds interest to the subject. I think that honestly, like, uh, mm. I've never really learned something new and been bored in a subject that I'm like, quote unquote, passionate about. That's never happened. It's happening right now, like with the stand-up show that I'm writing about Rome. I'm trying to look for different historians with different perspectives and it's completely rekindled something that I thought like, yeah, yeah I'll get the general gist of this. It was a story, the end. But, you know, it's there might be a few different ways to interpret a thousand years of history. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that can also be you know you take a, if you take a short break without making any drastic decisions oh I'm going to give up the business or anything like that but you say okay for two three weeks maybe I'll do what I have to do to maintain it but I'm going to try and pick my interest in other avenues and then often when you come back to something the motivation returns because maybe it had become laborious and repetitive and and now that you've broken that cycle, it doesn't feel that way. I know I feel that way with uh, with comedy. If I'm doing the same show over and over and again for, for months, I get so sick of it by the end. But then if I take two, three months off and then I start rehearsing the jokes again, I, I, I think, oh, wow, like, I, I remember why I wrote these jokes. I remember uh, how passionate I was about these subjects. And That's true. And then the motivation is right back there. Yes. So uh, taking breaks, it's as simple as that. Um, mm, mm, mm. Changing it up subtly. Uh, well, changing it up enough to, to stay hold to the main overriding goal and taking breaks when you need to. You know what? That I, is... I, I think that's... COVID did do that, didn't it? It really did. Yeah, you it, went it back and you looked at your really stand-up did. show and you were just like, it, it was new to you. And you looked at, it was amazing because you were looking at an entire body of work through fresh eyes. And so you like, because I don't know, you might get that as well when you're just on stage and you're just saying the same jokes every night. Uh, I get so stale. Yeah, in, you, in you also lose mind. the passion in, in your delivery. You lose the passion in your delivery and there's this thing of like, why is everyone laughing at this? This is, this is old hat. It's again like your interpretation of it, but it was amazing to go back and look at it and just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, oh, I see why the audience cringes at that one. And yeah, fresh. Mm. In fact, actually, you know what? That was, uh, but I can't believe I've forgotten his name best-selling author of all time. What's the guy who writes horror stories? Stephen King. Stephen King. Stephen, yeah. Stephen King says that. Stephen King says that the best piece of advice that he can give to anyone is once you've done like the first draft of a book, chuck it in a drawer, don't look at it for a month. Hmm. 
I like that. Now that is obviously very different to a to a business, but you can even change the goals in the sense of okay, your first goal, I want to start this photography business. Then you've reached that. Once you reach the goal, that you could very easily lose passion and lose motivation. But then you, th- all right, I want to expand the business to have four employees. I want to have an office in Melbourne. I want to have an office in Perth or wherever. I want to start doing uh, different events. You know, if you give yourself a different goal every few years, while still having the overarching mission of, say, making this business as not necessarily just as big, but as as formidable as it possibly can be. I think that's effective as well. You've got the one main goal and then you've got little sub-goals along the way. Tangential goals, if you will. Just just other areas that it might not even be... Look, it, it can be related to the business, but you could take a, I don't know, some sort of course in, in psychology or something like that, but then you can bring that back to the business and just continually improve that. Mm. Um, so mm. I'm definitely look. I'm in that same boat. I get bored of things very. It's just it's our generation. We grew up on screens, and look, the next generation is going to be even worse. So uh, what we what usually people who are uh, like that have is when they are dedicated to something and they do give their full attention to it, they will be magnificent at it. They will really give all of their energy to whatever this pursuit is. So um, take that into account. Know, know yourself, understand what has worked for you in the past and what maybe hasn't. And employ a strategy of how you can, to your best knowledge, knowing who you are and your character traits, how you can maintain that passion and that interest throughout the duration of the life of said business. I think that's, yeah, that business is also, this is actually a point that Tony Robbins has. Businesses have a life cycle. Um, and it's actually really important to know what stage of the business you're in. If you're in the infancy of it, obviously you're setting it up. If you're in your toddler years, it's the years where it's all rocky and you're trying to figure out the, the swing of it. Then you get into your adolescent years. That's when you're doing your experimental stuff. And then it gets to like midlife. And then that's when like the business is sort of like streamlined. You have other people working on other aspects of the business that you don't need to think about. This is, it's, it's really good to chart what stage you're at and what you should be doing. Having said that, I don't do that. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a way of doing it. Oh, I do some, I do, I do that, but not with a, just with say different shows or different projects. Different yeah. I do yeah. it with different pursuits. Mm. Where am I in my stand-up comedy career? Where am I now in my improv career? Where am I in my acting career? Um, yeah, because we're kind of really like our field of work is kind of sole tradery, isn't it? It's not really business. It's hard. I found, I don't know if you found this, man, but you, you found a very effective way of sort of delegating tasks, but... And this is absolutely no disrespect to anyone I've ever worked with. They've all been fantastic. They've all, if I've worked with them more than once, they've been fantastic. I don't, you know, there's a very small handful of people that I haven't been happy with what they've done. But when you have a very unique comedic voice, it's 
as soon as you sort of give a bit of creative control to anyone else, anyone else, maybe I, look, admittedly, maybe I'm too precious with that voice or something, but it's never the same. It's never the same when someone else is, especially if someone else is writing for you. That's why I've, I've always been confused at comedians who have writers. I think, well, they'd have to really know your style well. I, I, I think what they do is they don't necessarily write the whole show for them, but they just embellish it. They, you know, you can improve this punchline here, try and add this here. I think they do that because I've always struggled with... Uh, I can delegate sort of, you know, things like editing or even producing and even direct... Di- now, directing was one that... That's the only one where a lot of those films I did... Um, my friend Tim would direct them and he was someone that I actually had a lot of creative faith in. But Jordan, how have you sort of dealt with that? Because you obviously have a very unique voice, but you have people writing skits for you and it seems to be streamlined and work really well. What's, uh, what's the secret there? Dude, you know what the secret is? I think that I have a... It's my biggest curse and my biggest blessing, I think, which is that I've got a real attitude of like, yeah, do what you want, just leave me alone. I think that that is my attitude to life. <laughs> and, and so, so you know, you're people a, always so come you're in a libertarian. <laughs> yeah, I am. I run my business like Ayn Rand would. Like I'm Ayn Rand's wet dream when it comes to that. It's just like there's always just people Don't tread at on me. me. Don't tread on me. Well, people Do what you want, just to, don't, I think don't also affect like, my stats. Yeah. I think you got, and you know what else I think I've also got? Like a very hippie mentality because like there's just points where, you know, people just leave the business or whatever and I just kind of think like, you know, we're on different wavelengths now, man. Like, and that's fine as well. I'm, I've, I actually do think that that is something that I do have that I think is actually a trait that I think would help a lot of people uh, running businesses and things. That's just a great trait to have full stop in in your personal life. If uh, there's a large amount of conflict and someone, and you you can't actually resolve that, you're not trying to control the situation. You're just uh, happy to let the cards fall where they do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's a great trait to have actually. Mm. It's the downside of it. I think is that, uh, look, I'm a terrible, terrible negotiator, both for myself and for the other party. Like I've kind of just got this, I, the other like downside of the trade is I'm kind of always just like, yeah, 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 you can have that, you can have that. Then they do something that really shits me and I'm just like, that's the end of the relationship. Um, okay. And yeah. so like, I, I think the thing is like, it's just the same thing. It's like the yin and yang of the coin is that I'm extremely conflict avoidant. I hate fucking having arguments. I think it's a waste of time. It's just like, the, the air of like anger and awkwardness that airs afterwards. I'll do anything I can to avoid it. But the thing is that that always comes to a crescendo point at some point. Like really you should be able to like handle those conflicts. But I will say in terms of being a leader, it's very down. 
this whole thing of like, yeah, you do you, you do whatever the fuck you want. Oh, you really care about? Sorry, what was that? It's like, you know, you, you really care about this one joke or like, you know, this one point or whatever. I'm not going to argue it. I'm, I'm almost inevitably, there's like a couple of things that I'll have my like ticks about, but like in comparison to a lot of people I've worked with, I'm just able to just be like, fine, whatever, do it. Now, as a result of that, I think that what's happened in this channel is that the voice, if you look at it, has it's a result of me maturing over the years, which is really cool about our work, I think. It's really cool that we do have a long documented history of it, and you can see where you started, and you can see where your head is now. That's a really cool thing to have. And, like, yeah. as you said, I think you're right. Like, you lose your voice and you gain an organization and you just have to kind of understand that once it's an organization it's sort of an entity and all of those some parts are kind of changing what that voice is and so it's kind I mean, of you like, have to be a bit careful of something like that surely i mean especially if we're dealing with art or commentary comedy which is what we're doing yeah. because if the voice is get sullied too too much you you lose your you you um have the risk of losing your audience this is something i really love about i guess what you could call the democratization of media where where just anyone and everyone can start their own podcast it's not it's not tainted with uh, all these sort of producer media corporate interests it's just hey we're just two people talking as we normally would if you like it you like it Cool, the podcast does well. If you don't like it, then you don't like it. Now, I'm sure in five, ten years that's going to change and there'll be some form of, you know, there'll be some structures in play that will uh, benefit the larger podcasts. I mean, already you, you, you just got your that does principle at, at play there. And then, you know, you know, the largest podcasts will just inevitably grow faster, assuming they're doing everything correctly. But it's still... The, the I suppose the ease of entry into the market is better than any other form of media. And not just podcasting, just any, any sort of digital media. Um, and, you know, when Joe uh, signed with Spotify, everyone was worried, oh, no, they're going to change his content. He's not going to have his guests on. And, you know, I had those fears as well, but... He's shown that it hasn't really changed what he does at all. It's just on a different platform. They have no editorial control. Uh, he still did podcasts with Alex Jones, which is the ones we all Listen to. find hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, so far, so good. I mean, I'm sure if there's some real, if he says something really controversial, maybe there is a risk that they could drop him. But you'd think that there'd be enough... Uh, people working on that contract that he would, uh, you know, have strategies in play if that would ever come about. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that um, it's just, it's just uh, maybe I'm just overly cautious, but I, uh, I don't have any problem delegating tasks, but when it's, I guess the artistic portion of those tasks, I don't, I really struggle. It is always a struggle, isn't it? 
It really is. Mm. But I think that the whole thing, the way to look at it, the way that I think I've helped with that in terms of the creative outlet is I've got my hour of stand-up that's mine, that's purely mine. And everything else that I see that is like Friendly Joy's channel now is... Look, I'm still a voice. I still finally have, like, you know, final editor say. I don't, I very rarely exercise that, like, no, you know, very fucking rarely. But I always see that as, like, there's a greater good to the friendly Geordie's YouTube channel now. And so there's that that needs to be at play. There's also things of, like, in terms of just audience expansion, other people are going to have better ideas than you are. Um, so you should listen to them and just let them go. And so like, you should just be, it kind of helps everyone. If you can kind of just sit there and be like, look, digital me is different to me, but I think you actually would be the exact same category. There would be very few people that that advice would actually be really good to heed to except you and I, and I think it's because of that same thing that we're talking about before, that we're cut of that cloth of at the end of it, you strip away everything else. We're not really YouTubers. We're not really like comedians <laughs> per YouTube. se. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they what they don't understand is like... I th- They're not real comedians. They're YouTubers. Oh, fucking punch me in the fucking head. <laughs> I don't know why you, you really shouldn't care about what the fuck they think. No, like, I know. They just I... <laughs> they they, they have this like not... stupid okay. little label in their head that they're just like, this is my my little precious label. It's like, well, you can have it, George. You also don't have an audience. Yeah, um, they haven't evolved at all. No, no, fuck no. But I think that with you, I don't know if this is going to be helpful to anybody else listening, but. Because you're of that performer cloth, I swear that's really where you're coming from from all this. It's more from a theatrical side than it is a, Hmm. you know, I'm just being real kind of thing. I don't think you and I are really at our core. We're not businessmen. No, fuck no. Christ, no. We are comedians. We we aren't. We're artists, but we're... We're comedians. And, the, yeah, the comedian's impulse is always to... But you can see it in what you do. Be protective. Yeah. But what you do on stage... What, what you do in, like, digital version of Neil is very performery. It's not very, like, hey, welcome to this crazy vlog. Like, it's not that. Um, mm. It's always kind of like character driven, I suppose. And it's the same with your stand up. And I would imagine, I, I don't know, I might be putting words in your mouth here, but I'm imagining that you have that same thing of you feel most at home on stage. I swear, like, the more that I look at it, the more that I think, nah, I'm not really good at radio, I'm not really good at filming, it's live audience. Live yeah, audience no, stage. That's 100%. yeah. That's where you like thrive the most, right? And so I think that like it's kind of this thing of 
just letting everything else sort of go by the wayside because at the end of the day, it really does help people funnel into what you do best, which is perform. Like actually, dude, you know, That's I think way putting it. also- you, And just quick- Yeah, yeah, go. Just quick, I'm just gonna ask, coming back to the question, that's a good way of, that's good advice for the, the question as well, which is that within a given business, figure out what you're the best at and, and cater to that. So when you are, if you do get to a stage where you're delegating tasks for other people, think about, all right, do I want to be the one out on the field doing the photography or am I better as in a managerial role overseeing everything? And then... So, yeah, think about your strengths within – doesn't just have to be a business, any organization. Yeah, and get that's specific like about that. it. Get into the actual core of it because that's the whole thing. You started – holy fuck, I know that. I know that you started doing YouTube clips so people would go see your live shows. It's part of it, yeah, and to be an actor – but that's that's fucking core performance anymore. right there. That's that is performance as well. Yeah. And it was like, dude, you know the actual other thing that because I was talking to my editor about this a while back, and he was saying, "What do you?" I I couldn't grasp at him why he wanted to be behind the camera, and he couldn't grasp why I wanted to be in front of the camera. Yep, and people are built differently. That's uh, the realities. Everyone's living a different reality. Everyone's living a different reality, and we we came to like the it came to the subject of fame, right? And he was just like, if you think about it, there's actually nothing positive from being famous. Nothing. Everyone thinks just that being there famous, is. no. But if it depends, you know, the fame doesn't just happen for no reason. So it depends why you're famous. Yeah. And there can be positives about that reason why you're famous. The reason why you're famous. But that's, I guess the only way that you can look at it is that if fame sort of just acts as a magnifying glass. And I remember just saying that to him and I was just like, yeah, you know what? Like the, the, the things are just like, I don't know, randoms coming to you on the street and either... You know, being like, oh, I love your shit, or just, like, pointing at him, being like, he's that fucking cunt, fuck him. Like, th that's not great, you know? That's, that's not <laughs> a fucking nice course. Do you get that? Course. Do you get people going, oh, oh, yeah, that cunt? Yeah. Dude, I am mostly famous for being a satirist. It's like, you cannot have a more polarizing way of being famous than talking politics, you know? Um but like, Did I actually come up to you and say that? Or, you're, oh, I, I, yeah, you know what? I'd imagine people would, uh, you know what? I disagreed with your uh, point in that video five months ago where you said this, this, yes, this. Yes, 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 yes. came up to you to tell you that. Uh, you're wrong about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Fucking make your own video. No one's stopping anyone from making their own video, making their own podcast. If you've got an iPhone, you can do it. What are they called so, again? Like armchair coaches? So what is, is that the phrase in sport? Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's the equivalent. You're an armchair political commentator. <laughs> Which is ironic because I'm just an armchair politician, I suppose. But like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah everyone's an armchair. Something. Everyone's in an armchair. But like, yeah, it just, it came to that. It's just Look, like the... 
the only reason I wanted to become famous was to perform. So everything yep. always just comes back to that. It was just, you had that. I, I definitely recognize that, that that was your drive. That was people who want to be it. famous for the sake of being famous are not happy people. No. Because it's, it's volatile. Fame, you'll have a, a, year, a year or two here or there where you're the biggest thing in the world or in Australia or wherever it may be, and then that will inevitably go down, almost certainly. And it mm. can come back up again, mm. but you can't sustain massive levels of fame for a long period of time. And that's where people go off the road. And I've seen it. It's sad, actually. I know a lot of people in the influencer world that are um, really struggling personally because they just wanted all the perks of being famous, the attention that comes with it. And look, with some, sure, when it comes to dating or when it, you know, you can get free drinks here and there and it is sometimes a bit of an ego trip when you look, man. I actually, when I first, uh, when I was nineteen and going clubbing, when all those videos were going massive on Facebook, that was surreal. That was people who were um, comedians on TV would come out with me, and they'd they'd just think, I've never seen anyone get this kind of attention. I go to clubs, and everyone would be pointing phones at me, trying to take photos. And I'm like, man, I'm just trying to get drunk and hook up with a drunk girl. Come on, let me do it. Like, <laughs> I was drunk, just so you know. And that kind of never happened. But it was not fun at all at that age. That was horrific. It was horrible. Look, I kept trying to tell myself, oh, it's such an ego trip. You know, you're the rap star. You're walking at a club, all eyes on me. But you don't have any of the money. So you can, you've got the fame. You can go into the club and everyone sees you, but you're not in the VIP booth. You're in shitty clothes. You're probably getting the night bus home. Fuck. So imagine, the night imagine bus. living the, the rap life without any of the money. Uh, fuck. I had some money. Doing full time job at nineteen, so I had more money than my friends. But it, not balling but not, by yeah, any stretch yeah, of the yeah, imagination. Not for the code, but you have all that same face. So you're not even in the VIP section. There are some. Random people who were on Big Brother five years ago that are in the VIP section, and everyone's looking at you, and you're like, "Hey, I just want to get a, I just want to get a shot." <laughs> that was what that yeah, that was a bit of an ego trip, um, because it's, it's it's a dream for a lot of people to like be that age and to be able to perform all over the country and then go to these clubs and have everyone know you and everyone want to take a photo with you one it's actually really hard to 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 get one-on-one -on -one time with a girl if you're actually trying to talk to them because there's just that many people at you and two uh it's really and i'm an introverted guy anyway it's just you know i can understand why other uh comedians in this world i won't name names but take your pick they've become very reclusive because they've copped that times 10. And it's, um, I'm not saying it's, you know, if, if, if you see someone out and you want to say hello to them, that's fine. But when you're dealing with a bunch of drunk 18, 19, 20 year olds, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's overwhelming to say the least. Yeah. Um, and it's not actually fun. It's, it's really, it's good to experience. Look, it's, it's good to experience 
and there is a bit of a thrill to it the first couple of times. And after a while, you think, I, I wish... Oh, I want to be able to just go out and turn it off. And maybe turn it on now and again. You know, that's why I really loved going out in um, in the UK because a few Aussies there would know me and you'd get a bit of a, you know, you'd get that little ego trip, seeing a few people turn their head. Oh, I know that guy. I've seen him on the internet. But you can just have a normal night out. You can just relax. You can be a bit of a dickhead, you know, within nothing bad, obviously, but you know, get a bit drunk, uh, do what you want to do, party, and you don't have, uh, you know, hundreds of people trying to film you, taking selfies with you or whatever. And that's actually since dissipated a lot because now the way that the, the social media world is, there's just hundreds more people out there and everyone's found their niche little influencer that they really like. Um, but look, and I don't go to clubs anymore. <laughs> but you know, I it's just okay. If you're not from Sydney, the Ivy is just like the the club that has all the ethnics, and just it's where you go uh, if you want just like a, tr- a trashy night out on a Thursday. But with the allure of it being fancy, fancy, yeah, it's got cold. Uh, yeah, man, dude, going to the Ivy, just oh my god, you have fucking like what's that fucking what? And I just it 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 wasn't fun. It sounds cool. It's no, it doesn't sound cool. Like it, it, like a bunch of fucking drunk, dumb cunts just saying the same <laughs> thing over and over. The same yeah, thing. I hate yeah, it. Yeah. I, 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 I did miss out on it a lot, and it was, it was just I was a naturally a recluse beforehand. But I do remember that a bunch of dumb shits. And you know what the worst thing is? You know what the worst thing is? Yeah, chicks come up and do that, but so do guys. Why the fuck? No, it's more guys. I know, but why it's do you more, want to talk to them when you're drunk? Why, why do you want to talk to <laughs> random weird. guys in a club? What the <laughs> fuck is the purpose? And so you just have to sit there and listen to their inane drunk babble where you have to be like, yeah, it's total. Like, yeah, actually, now that you mention it, that wasn't fucking fun at all. That it's sucked. good. Look, I put myself in there. Look, it's weird to think like this, but... To them, it's, it's, oh, I met that guy that I find really funny and I see him on the internet. And they're going to then go and tell their friends, oh, I saw that guy at the club. And that's a cool feeling. So that's actually helped me, uh, you know, escaping from myself, as wanky as that sounds. But, <laughs> yeah. No, but it really, like, when I go out now and I get recognized, I don't think, oh, I used to, th- I just roll my eyes and be like, all right, I guess this is just part of what I have to do. But now I think, look, I can give, I can give, a moment of my time to this person who clearly enjoys what I do and is part of the reason I can do what I do full time. And it's, uh, it's actually quite nice. I, I like it. I mean, some people go a bit too far. I mean, like, fuck, I had one guy a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you kneel, you kneel. Oh, bro, bro, bro. Let's take a photo. Let's take a photo. And then, you know, that's the usual interaction. But then, but then it wasn't, he was taking it. So many people do that. They don't actually take a photo. They take a video and then he starts fucking vlogging. I'm just walking yeah. down the street. I'm here with fucking Nilka Haka. Nilka Haka, say so. Talk to the camera. And I was lucky I wasn't in a bad mood because that is, that's not cool, man. Like, you don't, don't like put me on the spot to be in your fucking vlog, all right? If you would actually ask me, be like, hey, man, would it be all right if you say a few things for, I, I have a YouTube channel? I'd probably say yes, but like, don't 
That was so. Oh, that yeah, was. Yeah, that you could have that is way off. That's just disrespectful, actually. But disrespectful. Um, look, that's it, it. It is. I think. But look, it, it, that's far and few in between. Most people are very respectful, and you know, I'm more than happy to take photos and and things like that. But man, when you go out, it's a it's a just. It it's not that bad now, actually. Uh, but for for two three years there, it was. It was, it's just a, a very, it, obviously no one else can relate to this unless some, um, you know what? Footy players would probably be able to relate. The one thing yeah, they can relate to Yeah, footy players would love it though, wouldn't they? <laughs> no, yeah, because they're in a group. They'd be in a group and it's not as bad then. Drunks. I think that's the real problem. <laughs> don't I mean, be drunk. Don't be drunk. Like... <laughs> You know, yeah, meeting Good luck someone to saying that to an Australian audience. Yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> but anyway, right, like well, if that's... you're walking to the gym and someone's just like, "Hey Neil, nice big fan," and shit like that, it's very different to some slosh kind of being like, "Yeah, uh, 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 that yeah. fucking video, oh. fuck, what was it? You've been like a fucking net. You've been a net." Do you get that? Do you get? Like drunk people. Well, man, I love you. Fuck the lips, man. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> What's your drunk recognition? That shit. Oh, Jordy, fucking this cut, Jordy. <laughs> this cunt. A lot of that, and then also just relaying points that like I have like a specific gripe against and make like multiple videos just being like no that's not the way to think about it like the classic you're just like the fucking politics man fuck all politicians they're all the fucking same fuck (laughs) that's your whole mission is to tell people that's a bad way of thinking that's the that's the Murdoch machine trying to Make people apathetic because it suits the party in power see I'm a true fan of you I know the message down to a T. It's just, dude, you know what it actually does really help, I think, is when you see that just just in real time always being like, fuck, I'm so glad I don't get pissed a lot because you would have so many regrets in life. Every interaction you would have, you would make an ass of yourself. Yeah, the uh, for all the times I have been uh, drunk, very look. There's some good stories. I will admit, there's some good stories. There's some good nights where it I'm takes you places you wouldn't and yeah. taking tension. But I have like just a higher threshold of when I feel like I deserve to get drunk. So a couple of weeks ago, I did a show that was, you know, that that weekly show I've been doing, and it had by far the biggest audience. We absolutely killed it. And that night, I was like, all right, we can we can time to get in the week. Yeah. But uh, when it's like, oh, it's it's. It's Tuesday. We finished the day of work. Time to have a few. Come on. No. Mm. You, got, you got three days left. <laughs> <laughs> then again, if I worked on a job site, I'd probably be having a pack of cigarettes and drinking every day. It just goes with the territory. Like, no judgment. No judgment. If you work, if you, if you uh, are like, I don't know, an engineer and you're drinking every day. That's weird. But if you're a tradie and you're drinking every day, well, it's, it's weird if you're not, not drinking doing every it. day. Yeah. You need to 
Yeah, you need to unwind somehow when you're doing that kind and of shit. It's not even like a, oh, this is a shit job or anything. It's just that when you've actually done physical labor, it's a different... Very few times in my life have I done a hard day of physical labor. But every time I have, I'm like, I need a fucking beer. Like, it's just a different... Yeah. It's a different feeling. It's not like a, oh, I deserve this. It's just a, just need to, I just it. need to relax. Yeah, you just got to have it. Yeah. Fuck. So Holy hell, you're right. And the other mm. thing that, yeah, if you're, if you're using your brain all the time, you kind of just do need to be sober. You know what happens? You, kinda, you stop. You just start getting like a low level of stress all the time if you're constantly using your brain. I like the fact that they go home and they have um, they have exactly that thought. That's a thought of like, today I did everything I can. And when you're a mind worker, you never have that thought ever. But it's sipping your trainee and you can just, don't you reckon? Yeah, it's three o'clock. Boom, tools down. There's a distinct moment of like that's the end of that chapter. Mm, that would that's be very it. uh Yeah, you never Oh no, you probably would be taking work home with you. Fuck I don't Actually, know. Actually, you know what? Always make fun of tradies with it. So many tradies listen to us, so you guys uh You know what we need if if so anyone listens that because I know a few uh guys that started in an office job and then went to, um, in fact, took a pay cut, but they just wanted to work with their hands or they wanted to be outside. And they're just happier people as a result, I think. So uh, if you're in that position, if there's anyone who listens that has done both in whatever order, doesn't matter. But if you've worked an office job, a full-time office job, and then you've also worked a full-time, it doesn't have to be a trader, just any sort of uh, physical labor job. Uh, tell us what the biggest difference it's just it i think physical exhaustion and mental exhaustion are just it's it's different it's when you're physically exhausted it's it's almost a fulfilling like yeah i i just you know me being tired shows that i did a good job today you know i did what i had to do whereas when you're mentally exhausted you're just stressed it's not oh i did what i had to do today it's just a I've got so much to do. It's a negative feeling, yeah. It's um, it's different. It's very different. Holy shit, man. If you could create the illusion of like, that's the end. Wow. I think that's the mm. end. Like, we've got to figure out a way. If anyone knows that, actually. If anyone knows a way to stop when you are a mental worker and being like, nah, it's knockoff time. Because you know what? That is actually a real indicator of it, the fact that you said, because I get the same thing as well and I hate it because I hate, uh, you know, slowly drinking has seeped back into my life, not to a huge degree, but it happens. But when do I feel like I want to be? First signs. At, <laughs> it's always it. What? It you're comes like back. Two shots and you're drunk. <laughs> You got a lot of tolerance to build up before it's a problem. Before it's a pro- okay, that's good. That actually does help. But like, it's the same thing with you, right? Like after a show, you feel like a cheeky one. Yeah, that's what, that's that's the if version it was a good of like show? dropping off the tools. 
I don't like, I don't feel, if I haven't done a good show, I don't feel, I'll go and have a drink, but I know I feel like I haven't deserved it and I'm not in a good mood. Uh, but if I've done a great show, yeah, I love having um, a couple of drinks after that and I feel great. Mm. Uh, so it's all about, for me, drinking's all tied into, you know, have I earned this, which is probably a good mentality to have. Um, very rarely is it like a, oh, I feel like shit, I need to drink away my, uh, oh, actually, no, earlier this year, there was a, there was a bit of that. <laughs> but um, no, I try not to get into that habit. It would be, it would be, um, look, the closest I can come to having that sort of physical exhaustion is after a really hard gym session, but the last thing you want to do then is drink. You're just <laughs> kind of ruining half your gains, but uh, that, and even then, like a really intense two-hour gym workout, it's very different to, you know, eight hours out in the sun doing um, physical work the, the closest i'll come to that is maybe if i've done like gardening or whatever and then like at the end of the day you could actually see what you've built or what you've uh created you know just backyard blitz on a small it's very cathartic when you see that final renovation and backyard blitz and that just also occurs within the person doing the the blitzing <laughs> that's why that's why jamie jury is such a Man, that is a, that guy is a silver fox. If ever I follow Fuck, that guy, on I haven't Instagram. seen him recently. That guy was—he's uh, in his fifties, I think. He's not young because he was he a stripper. He was—he was a stripper, and then yeah. he just became a landscaper. There is no yeah. guy that is a chick magnet. If ever there was, holy, yeah, you're so what a fucking king. <laughs> that man uh, is still very good looking. And his yes, Instagram's is. all about, like, we need to save the planet. Look at this beautiful garden out here. Like, oh. <laughs> wow. He's a very uh, zen. Incredible. Yeah, it has an age a bit. Who's that? Scott Cam. Everyone likes that guy. He's, well, he's just like an... Uh, he's just... He's... No. Nah, I like Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> Jamie over Scott any day. <laughs> Scott Cam, he just he's like he's just like the fake. Tra- he's a media personality. He's not even a tradie. Yeah, true. Which but, Jamie? Okay, look. To be fair, Jamie is too. But no, nah, Jamie over. But that's the whole thing. Jamie looks like a media personality. Scott Cam doesn't. That's like true. Scott yeah, Cam looks like every guy just that you walk past uh, and some like cattle dogs barking on the you. They'll be like, "Shut up, Rick." That's. Well, Jamie so did, doesn't look like that. So did Don Burke. And look what he was like behind the scenes. So He didn't look like a trade dude. That guy looks like what he is. That, <laughs> you're a, you're a, yeah, you're a for sure. The beard. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, because he had the button up. No, the one that should have <laughs> The one that should have been um exposed is fucking Harry the Vet. I love that guy, but like, damn, that guy had creepy vibes. Yes, he, he that, did. Oh, that smile! Like, oh, look at this little kitten. Now we're gonna fix yeah, this. Yeah, kissing broken <laughs> oh, oh, oh. What are you doing ah, yeah, behind yeah, the Harry. scenes? And are you still alive? I heard um, 
my yeah, my mom went to some uh, dog show, and Harry was one of the uh, special celebrity guests or whatever. And even she was like, "Man, that guy has 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 gotten old because he was making." Off color, I don't know. One of the dogs had small eyes, and he was making Asian jokes or something. <laughs> and like, my mom's not PC at all, but it yeah. just didn't. It's a dog show, you know. It's a, it's a formal yeah. kind of event, and he's there. Yeah. <laughs> the image of that is funny. He's there, and then my mom wasn't sure if he was drunk. <laughs> yeah, it's the Asian one. <laughs> uh... Oh, no, no, so he's turned into stew. <laughs> yeah, can't read the room at all. Yeah. Times. <laughs> yeah. He must have been the first person on earth to do that because it's usually such a formal event as well. It's got little blue ribbons and some chick that looks like Margaret Thatcher handing them out. <laughs> you don't. You... <laughs> that's, that's the stage after Karen. You go Karen and then you mellow out and yeah, become a, a very posh. Aristocrat, <laughs> because you see that all the eighty-year-old women come across a lot of the ones I mean, you know, they come across very posh and well-read, and they have their pearls, and it's like they were twenty in the sixties. Mm. They partied way harder than we ever could dream of, and and then they've just yes. transformed into this sort of posh, you know, yes, yeah, saturite. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back in time, Doris. Yeah. Nah, Doris is a Doris is like a ninety-year-old. Eighty-year-old would be yeah, Margaret, I guess. Margaret sounds about right. Margaret actually sounds like anything from fifty to eighty. That was a popular name. Yeah, yeah. Karen is is forty to fifty. I, yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah, yeah. But hasn't aged well either. Probably looks late fifties. Leathery really face, too, too much time, uh, too much time in the sun. God, that name really took off. You really do feel bad for women who are actually named Karen. Called Karen. Yeah, I know. Same here. Sad. But the, the other, it is. But like, I always think that as well. I'm always just like, fuck. That is unfortunate if your name is Karen. But having said that, every Karen I've ever met does fit the meme. It's like a hundred percent success rate. Well, how's that any different? Is it like every black person I've met does fit the stereotype? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Karens are the most discriminated people in today's world. They they are like they really got it's it's gone a little too far, hasn't it? Yeah, they've tried to do a male version of it called uh, like Derek. Like oh, all these Dereks in the comments and nah. Derek. Who the fuck is called Derek? I've never heard that name. I know. I know. It's a shit name. Because like, and in fact, it's like a name that you use as an insult here. You will say things like, don't be such a Derek. It's such a loser name. It doesn't work. Mm, so he was actually is the version of that. Nigel. Gary. Oh, yeah. Gary, Gary. Nigel was the one when we were in school, just became a way to pay someone oh, out. Oh, loser. Nigel, yeah, yeah, yeah Nigel, yeah, yeah, no yeah. friends. But if you're going to do like a male Karen, I reckon the name is Gary. Gary always has that kind of like, look at these shovecock shoeboyish kind of attitude. <laughs> he has that. Got yeah, a problem? Really gone way over the top. That's oh, soft <laughs> soy boy. <laughs> Shut up. Hey, you know what? Though? They're not wrong. 
They are scientifically yeah. not wrong. Oh, well, yeah. We have uh, the trend. We, we, we have a very low testosterone. But look, most of the guys I'm guessing who are saying this shit are probably really fat and really old. And yes. those, look, <laughs> I guarantee, I could, I, I'm betting most of the men who call people sorely boys, if you measured our testosterone compared to them, just because of our age, ours is going to be higher. <laughs> slightly so, higher, yeah. Yes, yeah, slight. Look, if we measured their testosterone at our age, theirs will probably be higher. But we're not yeah, doing that. But, not... <laughs> yes, you are fat and old. Yeah. Well, look. look being fat is actually uh, is one of the biggest, uh, that'll really lower your testosterone. And it, well, it'll definitely increase your estrogen. I don't know if it'll then just like lower the proportion of testosterone as a result, or it actually... I'm guessing it well if you're fat you're probably not working out as much so or like doing a lot of physical activity so yeah you probably will have so it's the skinny those like super skinny feminine guys may not even have that low testosterone I don't know you'd have to actually cuz like gay guys are jacked a lot a lot of gay guys yeah, in would. Sydney are, they are really buff yeah no the ones and that have really low testosterone constantly yeah. They're right, though. Like, the people that have reckon, extremely low testosterone. Huh? I was just going to say, I reckon gay guys probably... on. It'll be interesting to measure, like, the average gay guy's testosterone compared to the average straight guy's testosterone. I'm going to guess a gay guy's would be higher, which would just, like, destroy that whole narrative. And don't get me wrong. Yeah, you're right. Like, there are a lot of fucking silly boys out there. But, um... I'd love to no, see that study. I don't study. think they're even talking about gays when they talk about soy boys. You know what they're talking about? Talking about people that work at BuzzFeed. They're talking about leftards. They're talking leftards about leftards like you. <laughs> and they do. How <laughs> fucked is that as well that they took it as a badge of honour? Remember when the guys from BuzzFeed took their testosterone levels and they were like significantly fucking lower than the average person's? It was like... <laughs> down there with female levels of testosterone, they're like, yay, we <laughs> got a little small amount of testosterone. Look, if you have that, fine, but it's not something that we're wearing as a badge of honor. Like, it, it really, and that's the body yeah. type that I think is definitely always going to be low testosterone, skinny fat. Yeah, skinny, yeah, 100%, skinny and pudgy. Yeah, fat oh, oh, muscles will we'll probably, yeah. Who knows? If, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, if you're yeah. single, Tasmanian you're, woodchopper. There's a massive. Uh, single men generally have a higher testosterone because they're seeking out mates more than, especially not just men in in relationship. Married men, there's a big divergence. I don't know who does these studies, but <laughs> there's like a divergence between when man gets married, um, and then like a couple of years later. They compare their testosterone levels to a single man, and the single man's dramatically higher. Even when you uh, hug your wife or girlfriend, you're, uh, it dips. All these weird, weird Dude, facts you're not wrong. Me. Well, like, it's it definitely, like, I can attest to that. Well, there's a point where you just get into married life or, or you know, even long-term relationship like me, and you do just start to feel like Ray Romano after a while. Because you are, you're in a 10-year relationship. How long has it been? 10 years or? Eight years. Eight years. I think it's nine wow. soon. Damn. But that's the whole thing. You know what really delays everything in terms of 
marriage, children, all that shit, house. That's it. Like, you, you don't feel... Like, if you're not living in a house, mm. why the fuck would you get married? What's the point? It's like a terrible life decision to do that if you haven't lived with someone for a year, but it's hard to live with someone for a year when houses cost $2 million fucking dollars minimum, you know? <laughs> it's, it's just like, I swear to God, that is what's causing, like, low population growth in Australia. A big part of it, yeah, and in America as well, right now, apparently, because of the pandemic, uh, a lot of people are j- just uh, wanting to move out of major cities. They may be working from home. That's happening in Sydney. Uh, prices in the central coast of Wollongong have increased massively. Uh, and in America, corporations are coming in and buying up a lot of houses because they want to then rent out. their. Ha- they see it as a sort of safer income stream because those I don't know the actual economics of it. All I know is that there's a there's a bad housing situation in America, and yeah, that does contribute to um, population decline and not population decline, but it's just a lot less likely for people, uh, younger people, to want to get married and to if they don't have the financial stability, they're less likely to have kids unless they're bogans. So the only people yeah, having kids it. are bogans. Jesus, what a weird age to be in where, like, the average person is quite educated and has no money. No, it's not that they have no money. They're, they're quite educated. They've actually got quite good income, but it's just, like, houses are just out of the fucking realm of... They're just absurdly expensive now. Mm. It's a strange cocktail of things that all leads to low population. You're right. Like the yeah. only way that you would have babies is if you're a bogan and you're kind of just like, yeah, you can get by with fucking a job at Coles. You can, but it'd be fucked. And um, women in the workforce as well, women choosing not to have kids. Uh, a lot of men not wanting to have kids. A lot of men not even trying to pursue a relationship. This is uncharted territory. This hasn't happened in... Well, at least in the last couple of hundred years. So it really remains to be seen what's going to happen. And it, it looks like the trends are going to continue. I don't think there's going to be a sudden baby boom in 10 years. What, when there's sex robots? Definitely not. Oh, Christ, no. Actually, that was in your guys' podcast. In sex sales. Like, even now, just with VR. Like, that's pretty much just fucked humanity. And that's not even robot. Mm. Well, I mean, how how is a you know, if we, and and I can attest to this because even when I was twelve, there was an infinite library of free pornography, and I just think, imagine how dramatically different my adolescence could have been if I, because look, I took advantage of that. I did watch a lot of porn when I was a teenager, and imagine the guys now who are twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I mean, they've got no reason to talk to girls whatsoever. They've got every fantasy they could ever dream of at touch it just at their fingertips. So Well, I'm kinda of glad about that. I'm kinda of glad that humanity starts to sort of naturally dip. That's a good thing. For the planet, yeah, right now we don't We don't need fucking bit, more cunts. <laughs> if it was five billion instead of seven billion, that would uh definitely, uh, you know, not make climate change as big a crisis 
as it make everything not as big a crisis. Everything yeah. would be better. Like I swear that's the whole thing. I think that was the original one point five billion. That was supposed to be the the ideal number for human. It's like oh, Bill Burr's joke of like, how great would it be if in the United States there was like thirty thousand people. <laughs> It's such a, he's so right. It's just like, you could hunt as many bald eagles as you liked. It wouldn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> pollute as much as you want. It's not going to matter. Who gives a shit? Yeah. It's not going to matter. Well, maybe uh, COVID, uh, what are the conspiracy theories? It's just a way to control the population. It's a way to start the Great Reset and uh, have a subservient under global underclass kind of happening anyway uh covid's actually a way that aliens are you know infiltrating humans through the virus and slowly taking over well that's easily the most plausible i've Definitely. never heard that conspiracy before but that i is... just made it up i i was just talking oh, i right, didn't i right, didn't right. know i was just making shit up then could be true i'm sure someone believes it well think about look when you think about the, you know, the crit- critical theory or whatever, it's constantly being used for like socio-cultural and socio-political uh, subjects. But when it comes to extraterrestrial life, we've just imagined that they're going to be these green things in flying saucers. We have absolutely no idea. Our conceptual understanding, even if we're using our imagination, our imagination is severely limited when you take into account the infinite realm of possibilities in the universe, we have no idea what intelligent life could potentially look like. If the theory is that, okay, a white man can never fully understand the reality of a black man and they split, you know, what, 40, 50,000 years ago, imagine how different intelligent life is going to be when we split, what, a billion years ago. That to even just could try and think that we could get anywhere close to conceptualizing what intelligent life could possibly be like. Damn. It's just... You're kidding yourself. You're kidding. All these sightings of UFOs and the Roswell thing or whatever, and then, you know, you get your tinfoil hat on and you talk about... Why... of Okay, of all the billions and billions and... Billions of possibilities of what intelligent life could look like. Oh, look, they, they have flying objects similar-ish to ours. Why? Why would that... How could they have not evolved in some completely different way? You know, just some, like, million light-year across cloud of gas that has just developed consciousness. Like, even that, I'm only really... Uh, going to the limits of my ability to think abstractly and I am a human being that evolved on one planet. We have absolutely no idea, no idea, even just the what intelligent, like what is intelligence, what is life, just that. This is what all these like gender studies people should be focused on instead of putting those ideas towards, well, men can never truly understand what, women experience which i get look there's a truth to that why don't you talk about why don't you take that to astrophysics (laughs) 
That's just what Martians are these green things in a flying saucer. Like, who the fuck came up with that? Even that's not even creative. Of all the things intelligent life could could possibly look like, what they look kind, they they're bipedal and they have like physical flying objects. Yeah, and yeah, as you're like saying, that. right? Like they kind of just look like translucent midgets. It's not that imaginative. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know what else as well? I think it was Miss that was saying this. He had because UFOs have sort of just come back in vogue, or they were like a few weeks ago. But like, he made such a good point when he was just looking at all of these UFO sightings. Because I was just saying, just keep an eye on it, so we might write a script about it. And he said, I think what's actually happening there in terms of like, are they not communicating with us? If they have been here. Don't you reckon they can't... Because it's, it's always like pilots flying jets that always see them. And yeah. you reckon they're just looking at that jet and just being like, nah, and then just fucking off. Like, they're just like, that's so unimpressive and shit. <laughs> like, but, they, they realise, like, like, if you're at that okay. level, why the fuck would you even talk to you? But even our understanding of what that level is or what we value as a sort of technological advancement and all these things, we we can't even begin to comprehend what what would a mind of a, a being that evolved, that split from the evolutionary timeline quite literally five billion years ago, okay... Five, that that's how long we're talking about here. And even then, maybe it was just it, what would we even have in common? Would we have some sort of chemical compounds in common? And and then, like even that theory, it's just from our understanding of you know if we went to a slightly primitive world and then saw some crappy technology, we'd be like eh, and fly away. Like why would they? What makes us think they would think like that? Even like yeah. the conception of thinking, it's just you, the whole conversation about. I think they look. I was talking. To, I think a year ago or whatever. That when that James Webb telescope launches, they're going to be able to see if there's intel, if there's uh, sorry biological life as we know it on our planet. Uh, they'll be able to tell to a certain degree on thousands of exoplanets within our little vicinity in the Milky Way galaxy whether there actually is biological life. Now, we won't be able to reach it in our lifetime, almost certainly, because uh, we're talking about thousands and thousands of light years away. But that's more interesting to me, not sort of trying to have these weird sci-fi conversations about, well, if aliens did come here, what would they do? We have no... like. Why would they even have the same... You know, natural selection may not have been the the parameters through which, uh, you know, biological life evolved on other worlds. We just don't know anything at all about what they could be, how they could look like. They could just be photons. I don't know. Like, they could, they, they just could be anything. Uh, so I just find that conversation, it's interesting sometimes to think about and, and, and you know, theorize what they would do if they did come here. But, like, we don't, look, we have absolutely no idea. There has been phosphine found on Venus, though, and that uh, they right now scientists think the only way phosphine can come about is through um, molecular life. So they think there could be like bacteria, not bacteria, but some sort of molecule, you know, organisms 
but in the atmosphere of Venus or something. But it's a sort of throwback to when Venus was actually uh, more suitable to life. And then somehow those, as Venus became more and more hostile, they evolved to stay in that one little layer of the atmosphere. It's very interesting, the theories. Whoa. Yeah. So that is more interesting to me that there could be life on other, there could be, you know, molecular life on um, other planets in our solar system but that came from the one source. So there's even theories that life actually started on Mars and then it, there was an asteroid that ejected it out of Mars and, and brought it onto uh, Earth uh, because Mars billions of years ago actually looked a lot more like Earth. There were oceans and it had an atmosphere, but then um, because I think it didn't have enough gravity to hold on to the atmosphere. They don't know. I mean, we're talking about billions of years ago. I think these are all just theories, but... Uh, that sort of stuff is more interesting to me because, you know, it's things that we could tangibly figure out in our lifetime. But the, like, extraterrestrial intelligent life thing, I mean, that's just, you know, we, we don't even know where to start thinking about it, let alone thinking about what they'd do if they'd come here and all that sort of stuff. Thank you for listening, guys. I'm sure it won't be long till the lockdown is over and Jordan will be back in my humble abode. But this one was fun. Uh, subscribe, share. Uh, neilclarkett.com slash podcast is if you'd like to um, ask a question answer three either earlier in this podcast or in part one depending on how we cut this up uh, have a good week if you are doing it tough in lockdown I hope you're doing okay um, reach out to people if you feel like they may be doing it tough and hopefully I'll be Seeing you all soon when I tour all around Australia. Jordan's touring soon as well, so go to his website, check out the shows, and we'll see you next time.